0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Not in a minute, because we live. We, live. we live.
1: Welcome to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. I'm Walker Mail, alongside Nada Edwards and Doug Branson. We finally got some product to go over, boys. We're here. Charlotte Hornets preseason Doug, I know you're excited. You just came in skipping into the studio today with a couple of preseason games already under our belt. I know this is exactly what you've been waiting for. You don't even care about regular season. You got preseason. It. You're ready to make some crazy generalizations about what's going to happen this season and some speculation about who is already Michael Jordan like, who is the worst basketball player you've ever seen. I'm ready to dive into it. We got two games to go after. So Friday, The Charlotte Hornets came back from, at one point, a 20-point deficit. And they actually won that game with some good things to take note of in that one. And then they travel up to Boston and they lose that one, although it was kind of more tight. Throughout that entire game so a couple of games to look over here pretty much for this entire show and then we'll get on to some other things later on in the week but should be a fun one today you can find myself on twitter at walker mail nada at nada the scribe and doug at doug branson loh all those handles being on twitter and you can find both of all of really our handles on most social platforms and the show on most social platforms twitter instagram facebook Links and handles are all also over the show notes. So basically, not I know you were in Chapel Hill, very yes. cool, and you guys contributed to the Patreon page afterwards. Not just basically, let's start pretty broad here. Just a couple things that you took note of. Number one thing, I think your takeaway watching the Hornets get that win at Chapel Hill against the Celtics.
0: The and we'll get this and in, get into this a little later. The two guard position battle is over. Lamb has played so well, and just in game one. The way he just looks like he's comfortable with this offense playing downhill like everybody said during media day. Everyone's playing downhill, a lot of down screens. The offense looks better, but I think the two-guard position battle is over. Malik, yep. Malik Monk is taking
1: that well He's and Jeremy Lamb and, and certainly the I think uh one of the guys that a lot of people are talking about now so Jeremy Lamb in game one went five for eight he went three for five beyond the arc and that was something we saw him really develop a lot last season was his efficiency from the three-point line continued that in game one preseason against the Celtics went to the free throw line just the one time had a couple of free throws go in for him again the 15 points he got was impressive there the four rebounds three assists Jeremy Lamb looked good all within the flow of the offense right and Borrego even said he liked what he saw from him defensively which had always kind of been his Achilles heel under the Steve Clifford regime and why it kept him off the court so often well you saw him last year kind of change Clifford's perception of him and it's what Chris Croker came on the show and said this is a guy that's going to continue that positive trajectory you saw it within just one game in the preseason and here's Jeremy Lamb Doug Nada, putting it, it's done, it's over. It's Jeremy Lamb's job at the two. Malik Monk, you're coming off the bench. You're the spark plug. Do you agree?
2: Most improved player of the year? I think so. Jeremy (laughs) Lamb, ready to go. I love what I see from him in preseason. The power of the preseason is Jeremy Lamb taking the two spot, taking hold of the two spot. Got to love his size at that position. Him next to Kimball Walker, that's amazing. I loved his defense. He was getting there, getting into passing lanes, and that's going to start drives and get more fast break fast break opportunities for this Hornets team.
1: Offense, we all knew that the pace was the biggest discussion point coming in with Borrego. He preached that the pace was going to look a lot different. Faster! And- and maybe talking a little bit more about the fast-break aspect of it, and also just within the half court, you're going to see a lot more ball movement. One, it's just the Dwight Howard absence effect. You're going yes. to see it move all over the court because Dwight's not the plotter down there anymore. Yeah, exactly. So we don't have to throw it into him, let him go to work one-on-one. You're going to see a lot more here with James Borrego at the helm. How different did it look to you in person up there at the Dean Dome? It looked very much different because even
0: when Dwight wasn't in you would notice under the Steve Clifford regime that the ball would stick for 14 seconds with either Kemba or Batum trying to look for a guy to create something. And it would basically generate into some sort of turnover or some sort of bad shot. I like the way this new offense is going. A lot more downstreams, a lot more pin downs. I like this I, I really like this offense so far. You're seeing multiple
2: players initiate the offense. You're seeing Kimball Walker playing a lot of off ball. The ball's moving around. They're driving and kicking out. They're playing inside and out. And it's exciting. I mean, it's an exciting brand of basketball that we're already seeing. My concern is that if defensively they can't get stops, it's going to be difficult. To run that pace up, to get those fast break opportunities, because you need those defensive rebounds, you need those opportunities, and uh, if they can't uh, do better defensively than they did in that first half against Boston or in uh, some of those quarters in the second game, then they could struggle this season.
1: Are we going to put Miles Bridges into Springfield? You think tomorrow? Do you think we need to sit on a year, possibly? Like, do we need to wait a little bit?
0: Again, just uh,
1: let's just wait till Tuesday. I, I was Miles Bridges impressing a lot of people people loved what miles bridges gave gave to them the last couple of games the first game just the 10 points but everybody basically the had their right their jaw dropped because of the two dunks that he had in that game and they were impressive one was a putback dunk that was extremely impressive and i think that had people wanting him in the dunk contest when it does come here to charlotte and i think that's a real possibility i mean the it Dean makes, dome exploded it it makes a lot of sense right i mean you see rookies get in the dunk contest pretty frequently it would be here at home, so you would have that niche to it as well, where you have somebody in a Charlotte Hornets jersey, the classic throwback jersey, which everybody in the world loves. There's not a person out there that doesn't love these jerseys. And then you would it have him. for all of us. Well, you like, maybe if you keep the purple off of it for yourself. You like the old school jerseys without the purple. On occasion. On occasion.
0: I, are you I, I here don't make... to
1: ruin things? Is yes, that what you're I am. Do? Yeah, they're doing a good, good job. But Miles Bridges... It looks like that would be something that would be really possible for him to enter the dunk contest. And then the second game, I think that's the one everybody is looking at as far as helping the team win games, right? 21 points for him. He had, I think, he only missed one three pointer. In uh, four for five four, was the number he went. It what? ended up being four for six because he missed one late. So four for six, but going up late. And again, I think people will take that percentage from him. And did a couple of good things driving to the rim. Miles Bridges, he looked good in these first two preseason games, and especially the second one, he looked even better than the first.
2: The extreme athleticism, the ex- the extreme intensity, the kind of intensity that really sucks the oxygen out of a out of an arena right before that arena explodes. Those are the kind of things we have not seen in a Hornets uniform in a very long time. And I'll tell you the one intangible, guys, that I see in Miles Bridges that really makes me think, whoa, could this kid be a lot greater than maybe we thought he could be when he was drafted is this. He is unafraid. He's unafraid mm-hmm. to pull the trigger, and he's unafraid to make his presence felt when he's on the floor. That's exciting.
0: The, I, I just love that, the fact that he has clearly improved since summer league. That was one thing that I know me and you were both worried about, Walker, from Vegas, was that just the improvement, the jump shot wasn't falling, the mechanics still work in progress, but at the same time, He's shown improvement. He's shown that he is now comfortable in an NBA setting whereas he clearly wasn't in Vegas.
1: No, I agree. I think look, I I was not high on the Miles Bridges selection. I think that's well documented that mm-hmm. there was a quite we a tape. We have a, quite a few guys that I would have liked to have taken before we took Miles Bridges here in Charlotte. I think you're absolutely right. You saw him improve from Summer League. He won the best player on the floor. No. In a Hornets uniform it was Devontae Graham. And I mean, Devontae Graham was the best player. Malik Monk was the first game. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the best rookie, as what I should say, even more so to prove the point, right? As Devontae Graham was the best rookie, at least in the first two games before Kubolka he had that injury. was better at, in some you points. Know, you could argue, right, like, it's not crazy to say that Kuboka was the better player in Summer League, at least in Game 1. And Miles did continue to get better throughout Summer League. You saw him in preseason. You're right. He did improve. Some things that I like for Miles Bridges. You got to like the athleticism. Mm -hmm. I mean, just being able to jump out of the gym like that and slam it home, that's fun. Yeah. We don't get a whole lot of fun here in Charlotte. It's why we're so high on Malik Monk. So now you have two draft picks back to back that at least are going to be fun, right? We want them to translate into wins, but they're going to be fun to watch. So you got Malik Monk and you got Miles Bridges in that regard. Other things I like for Miles, the one thing I think I took notice of more so than anything on the offensive end that I really liked that I think, man, that is something I just didn't. I didn't harp on enough his driving ability and his savvy to get to the rim. The guy's already as strong as a bull. So you can get all the way to the rim pretty much just because you're a bigger freak than everybody else. And you can move well, right? Mm -hmm. You can move well North and South. And then for him to kind of have that Euro step where he's kind of, you know, making sure that he misses guys, it, the ever so subtle movements that he's going to the side, and his ability to finish with the right hand as a left handed guy. Yeah. Very impressive. Those were some things I was really impressed about. The shooting ability, look, I mean, I, I think it'll be there. I think if Miles Bridges shoots. Thirty six percent this season. It's a very good You win. take that and you run. Right. You run away with it. Even thirty five percent I think you take away with it. The defense still concerns me. The ability to move laterally. I don't think he was great defensively, especially trying to keep guys in front of him on the perimeter. But there are some things that I think you can take away from Miles, especially in game two, and you're thinking, man, you know, there's some things to work with that I like.
2: I'm sweating. Bridges is giving me the preseason fever. Hornets fans go ahead and book that first class ticket to Tahiti. Because we're going to be racking up the sky miles.
1: <laughs> where did that go? Okay. Woo! I don't even know where that came from. It's preseason, baby. It's not That's just where you. It came from. It's not just Doug. I, people are losing their minds over Let's Miles go. Bridges. Rookie and how, of the year? And Miles how, Bridges? I, I say yes. Well, that was, that was those words were uttered on, yeah. I believe what... Tommy Heinsohn of all people. Tom Heinsohn, who has said some remarkable things on broadcast before when he was talking about Aaron Baines, no yeah. less, if you want to look that up. In the shower. Hey, right, he talked about how well, he, how good he looked in the shower. And Miles Bridges, I guess I guess he would think Miles Bridges looks pretty good in the shower, right? Already saying that he's going to be a rookie of the year candidate. I don't want to know. Impressive. Jump shot was I, wet. Yeah, it was. It was a wet jump shot, and Tom Hineson, he certainly liked him some Miles Bridges. So not crazy, not crazy preseason duck. Just actual NBA legends coming out here and saying that Miles Bridges might be a Rookie of the Year candidate. People fell in love with them, no doubt about it. We'll get to some other stuff on the other side of the break, but nothing beats the thrill of watching your favorite teams and your favorite artists perform live, and Vivid Seats is here to help you find your seat to the Panthers game, the Hornets game, the concert, or any kind of show you want to visit. Vivid Seats offers great prices and a purchasing experience that is super easy. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee, so it's 100%. Supporting Vivid Seats means you are supporting this show. So here's what you need to do you need to go to the Apple Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Enter promo code LOCKED ON to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. That's locked on. It's all one word, it's all caps. And you will get $20 off of your order of $200 or more at Vivid Seats. We'll have more preseason breakdown here on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Walker Mail, not Edwards. Doug Branson. We'll be back after the break. This is Locked On Hornets. 10, Al Jefferson. 9, Anthony Mason. Master! 8, Gerald Walton. 7, Baron Davis. 6, Dell Curry. 5, Glenn Rice. 4, Muggsy Bogues. 3, Larry Johnson. 2, Alonzo Morning. Nice. Number one, top Charlotte Hornet of all time, Kimba Walker. Woo! Thank you, everybody. The list Ow. is done. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Top five moment in my life when that list was done. <laughs> think, think that's about right. Yo, shout out to Doug for coming up with nine new bumpers. Hard at work this weekend, putting on his producer hat. Can't change his handle, but he can get you nine new bumps to come into.
2: Got to do something. By the way, top five moment in my life these past two preseason <laughs> right? games. Oh my right? god, so
1: right. You're so right about that. Yes, very good. The Charlotte Hornets the last couple of preseason games. Top five moment of my life and also finishing that list. We appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, recapping what's happened, the last two preseason games for the Charlotte Hornets and who helped their minutes, who hurt, a bunch of different stuff that we can look to here. Just real quickly, as far as who helped their minutes and who hurt their minutes as far as going forward in the regular season, that goes along the same lines of competitions that we have. You think two is done, Nada? Two's it's, done. It's Jeremy Lamb and Malik Monk is going to be coming off the bench. I would tend to agree. I think that is one that you're going to have cemented pretty. I I, I don't want to say it's 100% already done, but put it in Sharpie. Uh, Jeremy Lamb looks like he's the guy to be the number two guy.
2: I I mean I just wouldn't be surprised if borrego experimented with starting malik monk at yeah. the two just to see what it would look like i would not be surprised by that and for that reason i'm not going to use my sharpie yet i'm still going
1: to use my number two pencil yeah how are you are you like kind of bearing down on it though or are you still writing pretty light so you can erase it yeah pretty yeah, well?
2: yeah, yeah i'm bearing down really hard on I mean, graphite
1: I, it's graphite but you're bearing down on it exactly that's fair enough. That's I th- fair. I think I can go, that's, I'm more comfortable doing that. Like enough to where you can see the streak where obviously something was erased, but you can mm-hmm. still write something over it. I'm absolutely on the bearing down with graphite there. What, what are the things that are in cement? So point guard, out of the way. Kim yeah. Number two, we've gone through that. Three, Nick Batum. We can sharp our Sharpie there as
2: Despite well. Despite some questionable passing in that second it, game. Got to have...
1: shore that up. Well, and what else is new? That's Nick Batum, though. It's Nick Batum. He's going to have some turnovers that make you want to crawl your eyeballs out. I mean, it's that's just how it is. I think I think when you have number four spot. Crawl
2: your eyeballs out? Is that what you said? Crawl your eyeballs that's out? That's exactly I what crawl? you say. I that's
1: meant to say claw. think I say
2: you. I think you mixed cry and claw.
1: And it makes it became crawl? Is that even possible? Can you crawl? You know, I've crawled so long, my eyeballs just fell out. I don't, I don't think there's any way I you can make I that work. I don't think
2: it's possible. I like, don't think
1: there's any way you can make that work. Claw your eyeballs out with Nick Batum. And then you look at number four, the four spot at power forward. Marvin, yeah, Mar- Marvin's got it. Are we Sharpie and Marvin in there? I Because I think, here's, here's the thing about Marvin to me. We saw this, and I thought this was maybe one of the more subtle takeaways at Hornets Media Day, was... Marvin saying that Borrego wanted him to take more shots, and he seemed to be pretty emphatic about he's always been the guy that has taken the smart, efficient shot. He hasn't really tried to force anything. Yeah. But now Borrego comes in, and Borrego says he wants him to take more shots. And he wants more attempts. He wants the volume up. And, Nada, you mentioned it. You saw that at Chapel Hill. He he was gunning. I think Borrego likes Marvin Williams more so than we may have given credit for during this entire offseason process.
0: I I understand that. I also knew that unless Frank showed up and Miles Bridges had a better camp and a better summer than he's had thus far— there was no chance because Marvin is just going to be that guy. He was in Sharpie to me the whole time.
2: They, they need his shooting. I mean, plain and simple. And and I think he could be a serious threat from the corner three in this new up-tempo offense. Getting getting up the floor very quickly, getting into position a lot like you saw Bridges do when uh, Kimba was able to get the defensive rebound and and the outlet pass. I want to see a lot more of that from Marvin. And yeah, let's get that ball up.
1: I think, and I think you're going to see it. You saw it here in a couple of preseason games, and I think you are going to see Marvin Williams shoot a lot more from three land. Other things to take note of: MKG did have an injury, so concussion-like symptoms for him. He left a game too early. Thank you, Marcus Smart. Yeah, we, we've seen this once before. Oh, is that what happened? What with happened? MKG,
0: then? Marcus Smart, basically for a loose ball, dove and need uh, MKG in the head.
1: And I didn't see this play live, and I, I don't even think I saw a replay of it or anything. And it was nasty. It, it Do was. Do we hate Marcus of- Smart now? I didn't like Mike Marcus Smart to begin with. So it's, he's done, done. He's he's a foe of the show. We hate Marcus Smart. That's how it is now. Or until is everybody he everybody traded again? here. Is everybody on the same page?
2: Need in the head. Ooh, that's smarts. I
0: don't like that.
1: Ow. So now going with the... <laughs> was that the wrong sound? Was that the wrong sound? No, that was the right sound out. All right. That was absolutely the right sound. What what? You seem distraught at that sound bite. I know I'm crawling my eyes out. Yeah, no, that's me too. I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> that was better. No, hey, I have a list. A I have a list.
2: I made this list before the show. I actually did some work of of players. I'm showing you the list. You did a right lot of now. work. And these are the players that I think helped their minutes and the players that I think hurt their minutes. I'll be quick. Is that okay? Can yeah, I okay. read this? All right. Help their minutes, in my mind. Jeremy Lamb. Yes. Miles Bridges. Yes. Billy Hernan Gomez. Yes. All three of those players played really well. Okay. Hurt their minutes. Right. Dwayne Bacon. Absolutely. His defense was not good in that sense. It second was not game.
1: nice. Rachel Nichols would not like that.
2: Nice. No, it was not.
0: Now, honestly, it's him. Like his shot selection wasn't that much better either, though. Like his shot selection. And bothers that's always me.
1: kind of been a question for him. You know, I, I think I think there were some things to like about him at Summer League, but you know, even at Media Day, he discussed how media or how uh, middle range isn't going to be a problem for him or mid range isn't going to be that much of a problem. Like he's good on that. He doesn't practice that. <laughs> right. But the three point shot, he's been practicing a lot this offseason. It didn't look like it. Right. Yeah. Not good for him.
2: Bismack, Biombo, I didn't think Agreed. did anything in, in either game. How much of really... a chance
1: did we give him anyway? 2%.
2: Well, I thought that the the center position could be very competitive, and then when you didn't see Bismack a lot in that first game, you started to question how competitive is it actually going to be. Do Zeller and Billy basically have the the two spots locked up? And Bismack did not do anything in that in that third game that that excited me at all. And then finally, Frank Kaminsky. I think the the, the four spot is going to be the four five combination, and how small they get, I think, will be very interesting for the Hornets. Could afford Frank a lot of opportunity to play. He's not hitting shots. He's not rebounding. And and if they go small, that's going to be an issue.
1: Yeah. And I think, again, out of those three people that you mentioned, the most disappointed people are is hearing the Dwayne Bacon name. Because I think Frank Kaminsky, people are like, yeah, (laughs) ready to move on from him. That's just how it is. That's how the Hornets fan base is. And I don't think anybody expected, at least me, I didn't expect Bismack to truly compete even with Billy and Cody Zeller for a lot of time at least. Like I just didn't think he'd compete all that much.
2: They mentioned rim protection, right, during the offseason and part of the reason why they were somewhat excited I guess about Bismack's acquisition or at least justified it as such. And <laughs> and rim protection I think will be an issue that they are trying to solve throughout the season. That's why I thought maybe but he's just, he just was not making good decisions out there and no. and I just didn't think that he did anything that would missing shots at the rim. Like he's catching the ball now. That's a that's a plus.
0: He didn't do that last time. But he
2: can't. But he's you know he's missing bunnies again.
0: The the one thing I would say about Bismack is I think he's playable as to where Mozgov. absolutely no, he's a better player. Would not have been playable here.
1: I 100% agree. I mean, the contracts are both bad, so you trade for one of them because one's a better player. And the Hornets they got the better player. Not a whole lot better. You no, know, he's playable right I agree with you but he's not a whole lot uh, he's not a whole lot better and real quickly just the point guard position it's been something that has been atrocious the last couple of seasons here in Charlotte you get a backup with Tony Parker everybody playing the mentor game with him asking what kind of coach he's going to be as a player which he hates doesn't like the player coach nod but he did also he, he did acknowledge that he would be somebody to help these young guys in and Devontae Graham what did you guys think of each of them and, and really nothing to take from Tony so really what did you just think of Devontae
0: Devontae's is going to need Need some time in Greensboro. I think there's an adjustment to the speed of the game, but it's at the same time, Tony Parker can't go down. So it's gonna it's going to be an interesting balance of when does Tony Parker rest and when do you give Devonte Graham those minutes?
2: I thought Tony Parker showed some flashes at times of oh hey oh a little behind the back action mm, little you like uh, that yeah finding guys where you didn't think that guy was open. Okay, Tony, I think he's just going to need some time to figure out borrego figure out this offense figure out how to play with the rest of these guys uh i'm my expectations aren't super high for tony parker i think we're going to get what you think you're going to get out of a a player that is in the twilight of his career but at the same time there were little flashes there that you were not going to get from a you know ramon sessions of the past or briante weber or michael carter Williams.
1: i miss briante Briante was my irrational love for the Charlotte Hornets. I was hoping he would get his jump shot
0: together, and he just, just never, never did. did. Well, never that's did. Well,
2: You actually bring up a good point. because So Briante had some things that excited you, right? His defensive intensity and, and his ability to bring the ball up the floor quickly. But he couldn't run an offense. And that's the one thing that you're not going to have to worry about when Tony Bar- Parker has the ball in his hands. He knows how to run an offense.
0: And I think that's something that's been missing for the last three, four years.
1: Easy, yeah. You and just going real quickly before we take a break, mentioning some of the guys that hurt and helped their and helped their minutes. I think what you're gonna look for Borrego to kind of look at, right? I mean, what he's trying to find and what gets lost in the Miles Bridges love, and how everybody is ready to just say, Yep, this guy's already a hit. Or in just the couple of preseason games that he's played so far, and and Billy and not I know you've been high on him very uh, pretty much the entire off season, saying that five battle is is a lot more prevalent than I think a lot of people have given it too much credit for. Is you know the defensive aspect of this yeah. cannot get lost in all of it, right? I mean Billy Hernan Gomez, he's just not near as good that his defender as Cody Zeller is. No, and he's he just, plotting. He's just not. And I think Miles Bridges, there are still some problems on the defensive end. So. One thing that people seem to keep forgetting, that Borrego, I don't think it's at Borrego's fault either. Borrego's trying to mention this. It's just we kind of get lost because we want to see the up-tempo offense. The guy has mentioned that he preaches defense first. I mean, that is something that came out of his mouth. He preaches defense first, and they're going to be a good defensive team. So you're going to have to find some guys that play at least decent enough defense to warrant the minutes out there on the court. And so who are the guys that give you – a complete package, or at least don't sacrifice a ton on the other end. It's Kimba who has defense. His, his defense has improved tremendously over the couple of years. I think to an, an average defensive point guard now. Jeremy Lamb is somebody that has improved enough in that area. I, I, I Barago said it. Let's go with Borrego's work. Okay. right? And, and may, no, and I feel you. I I don't know if it's all there, but at least Borrego said it, and maybe he could, you know, be giving us coach speak, whatever. But I think it's at least better enough. Oh, Nick Batum is certainly one of the better defenders that the team has when you look at it's not a high bar, right? Like the guys that are going to be on the outside looking in, you know, Frank Kaminsky doesn't give Suspect. it to you. Right. Billy Hernan Gomez doesn't give it Can't to you. Can't trust him. Malik Monk is not a guy that can give it to you. So when you're talking about five starters out there that doesn't sacrifice a ton on one end or the other, I think you're looking at... Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, Jeremy Lamb, and Kimball Walker from five to one as you're starting five heading into the regular season. I don't disagree
0: with that. Uh there are some guys that have did disappoint me on defense. Dwayne Bacon is another one. Yeah. And and there's no excuse for that, because no. he's got the body. No, he's got again, he can guard two, three, possibly even four, depending on the set. And he hasn't looked prepared. And that's for someone that came out of team USA right. and was playing well with them.
1: It's kind of disappointing. I'm not going to lie to you. No, there's no excuse when you look good in the shower like Dwayne Bacon does. If you love the podcast, support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can get access to special content and entries into our show, giveaways, including game tickets and bobbleheads and all that good stuff. Patreon.com slash LOH. Sign up today. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back. Zach Lowe, he's got some comments on the Hornets. Is he trashing them? Is he clowning them once again? Or is there actually something positive that comes out of Lowe's mouth about the Charlotte Hornets? We'll take a quick break. We'll be back. Walker Mail, Nada Edwards, and Doug Branson on the Locked on Hornets podcast. this is locked on hornets and just that i showed any kind of vulnerability well, you, yeah you i just, think not is just gonna jump you are over. the gazelle limping yeah. through the african it's, safari i'm in the mud i'm in i'm in some sticky yeah, mud. you I are the hippos go- stuck in yeah. the mud <laughs> yes, yes. and i'm about to just get destroyed by nas or by not <laughs> <Goss>. by, <Nas. laughs> by nas he's gonna come out with me a rap battle <laughs> it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Damn, we had fun this summer. I think what we're all proving here is that I mess up on words through Crawl and Nas coming out on today's show. I think that's basically what we're trying to prove here on the podcast today. Thank you, Doug, for giving us all of these new, basically, bumps, I guess. Nine, you said, right? That you worked on? Nine, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of work. all I can find. Appreciate it. (laughs) All you can find? I mean, nine is pretty good. Ouch. I would imagine that's pretty good. And I guess we need to start having more fun. So, Zach Lowe comes out with an article, and he does this every year. It's the 2018 2019 NBA League Pass Rankings Part One. And Part One, it does display the Charlotte Hornets, but maybe not as poorly ranked as you would think. The Charlotte Hornets come in as the 20th ranked team. As far as what teams are the most intriguing to watch on maybe your league pass rankings. Not bad, right? And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this ranking, it basically combines all of the entertaining elements of basketball and who you are most interested in watching as a normal NBA fan. And the Charlotte Hornets, they come in as the 20th ranked team. They were ranked 25th last season.
2: Yeah, so here are his qualifications. Uh, zeitgeist, will normal people care about this team? Highlight probability, style, are they any fun to watch? League pass, Minutia. blah, blah, blah. He goes into some some stuff on that. And then unintentional.
1: <laughs> Tremendous analysis. Uninten- what's the, what's the minutia? The uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, oh, yeah, got yeah. it. Done. Next,
2: And that's it. So those are his... Unintentional comedy. Unintentional comedy. Yeah, that's the final one. Mm. So I think that this team could go even higher if he were to re-rank these after the preseason, after what we saw Mm -hmm. from Miles Bridges, because now this team... Listen, the Bridges-Monk lineup, those lineups are going to be highlight potential all over the place.
1: So in his paragraph about the Charlotte Hornets, he doesn't even mention Miles Bridges as a guy who is going to be fun to watch. He does mention Malik Monk, and in the sentence, he basically lists a few players. He says, Kaminsky as backup center, possibly, also means less of Bismack Biambo fumbling passes, but also, sadly, less of Billy Hernan Gomez's crafty game. Not of my disagree. Mm-hmm. But also, Malik Monk is going to be fun with a bunch of U's and a bunch of ends, and I don't think that's Any kind of falsehood from our standpoint, I think everybody else expects Malik Monk to be pretty fun to watch this season. And then you enter Miles Bridges, who Zach failed to mention. I think he's got a point with putting him 20th and possibly even higher. And the first the first section of his paragraph, it's all dedicated to Kimba Walker. He says, "Quotes: this is a high for a team. This is a high for a team that wins about the same number of games every season, playing the same style with the same people. But credit Kimba Walker the league's most underrated showman. Walker's dribble is magic. He has every move and he strings them together like a boxer pummeling some dazed, flat-footed opponent with four-punch flurries. The moves flow so smoothly, you barely register how many mean things Walker pulls in a two second span. We all know Kimba doesn't get the respect as far as nationally and nationally, as far as you know, having the sick handles, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, they always get it. Kimba Walker is one of those guys that he's, is right below. He's over. top three. Yeah. He's top three. And he's fun to watch. And now you don't have the Dwight Howard lob passes, but I don't know how fun a Dwight Howard led team and, and not led maybe, but somebody that got a lot of uh, got a lot of looks down to the basket. I, I don't know how fun that was to watch him get it was again the post feeds anyway. So now you have him kind of addition by subtraction as far as the intrigue meter goes.
2: Yeah, this lineup's going to be more fun, but it's also going to have more. I'll throw another F word at you flow because we saw Dwight Howard, uh, stop a lot of possessions with travels last season. And I think Zach Lowe mentions this in his analysis as well, but that really took a lot of, I think it took a lot of steam out of the team at times. And so you're not going, you may see some more turnovers just by virtue of them trying to create a little more and move the basketball a bit, a little bit more. But I think that's way better than, than stopping a possession dead in its tracks from a turnover from a travel.
1: He also gets into the marketing campaign for the Charlotte Hornets this year and their 30th year anniversary. The jerseys coming out, the new court that they're going to implement, I guess the old one with the butt swoosh, of course. He says, quote, for 30 years, the Hornets have somehow, and it's so true, they've somehow been able to clutter their art with ridiculous design elements and still have it look awesome. When other teams imitate them, it fails horribly. I don't get it. Is teal just unassailable? I I feel like it is. I feel like the Charlotte Hornets, just they mastered something so unique. No one else can copy it. And when they try, it fails miserably. And yet the Hornets, I mean, that logo is sweet. And the color scheme, there's no way that should work, but some bold, bold person that decided to put all this together, it actually worked for him, and kudos to them. I'm going to be on Lonely Island hate on this teal. I I don't know why you hate on it so much. I felt like it was just the purple, I thought. I thought thought the purple jerseys were the only thing you hated so much. I hate hate nostalgia. You know that. But I felt like you had kind of – I think you're flippity-flipping again. No, I am not flippy flopping. I think flopping this is a this flippy one. flop. Flip. I think this is, I think this is a, a, absolutely a flippity flip situation. How
2: dare you accuse me of that? <laughs> Teal and purple—it's easy on the eyes. And basketball is played in the dead of winter, and those those Easter colors remind us that spring is on the way. Warms us up a little bit. I think that's part of it. Also, the butt swoosh. And Thank turn- you,
1: Robert Frost, Butt swoosh. Thank you so much. And one thing that we cannot get on board with was Zach Lowe. Takes a shot, shots at, at the Hornets broadcast. uh Oh, says, "Quote the broadcast needs to dial back the Orwellian optimism." For the love of Muggsy Bogues, stop calling Kimba the captain. You're right, you are Debbie Downer. I Zach Lowe throw I, our boy Eric Collins not exactly happy with the captain. Courageous calling Kimba the captain with all the enthusiasm in the world. Zach Lowe, and are we going to start a battle between Eric Collins and Zach Lowe? Captain! Look, Zach, don't come, don't come after our boys now.
0: Only the big ones for Captain Courageous.
1: Eric Collins now, especially we're we gonna have to tell David. David's gonna have to defend his neighbor. The
0: captain catching fire.
1: No lie, I don't like it from Zach. No, that's a, that's an unfettered cheap shot. Come on now. Well, here's the thing. Is that all the Eric Collins sound bites we have? By here's
2: the way? I'm going to cape for Eric Collins and the entire broadcast crew for a moment. Put on your cape, okay? They are trying to take a product that has not for the past several years been inherently entertaining and they are trying to make it entertaining and why would we shame them? And I'll tell you why, because Zach Lowe and Zach Lowe can't help this. He's coming at it from a national perspective. He watches all 30 teams and you know, he he's just, he's not aware I think of, Of the experience that we have as locals watching this team game after game, night after night. We need a little pick-me-up, and that's what Eric and Dell
0: and Steph all try to do. Yeah, I agree with that. More importantly, if if Eric and them are annoying, I'd hate to see what he thinks of the guys in Utah with Matt Harpering and all those guys, and the guys in San Antonio. If you've ever listened to them before, you'll listen to their games on mute. From going in.
1: Well, hopefully, Eric Collins has a little bit more help this season with guys like Malik Monk and Miles Bridges. Looked awfully good the first two preseason games here in the early going.
0: Time for Cardiac Kempa.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. Rick Biddle tomorrow. Talk to you then.
2: Leave us alone, Zach. See you guys.